Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside our two-bedroom apartment in downtown Baltimore, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano, Brendan Mortensen, here with you as always on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, we we got a little bit away from doing Tuesdays, and now we're back to it. Now we're back to Tuesdays, and we have a lot to talk about here on this podcast. An exciting, thrilling win. Frankly, I think one of the more exciting wins so far of the early season Orioles over the Yankees last night in the series opener. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about who else? Cedric Mullins and his absolute dominance. Uh, we're going to talk about Matt Harvey as well and how good he has been as of late. And then later on in the podcast, we're going to be joined by Melanie Newman, the much-anticipated coffee draft, all coffee draft, a three-round coffee draft in which uh, Brendan looks like a fool. Uh, well, I, what else is new? Yeah, what else is new? I, I think I came out pretty well. And Melanie, of course, dominated us both. So yeah, um, as expected. Yeah, we ask coffee draft. We ask her no baseball questions because she spends all of her day every day talking baseball. So you know, figured let's just get to the good stuff, which is the coffee. But let's right. for now, Brendan, talk a little baseball, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Yesterday, I said uh, I think it was one of the more exciting wins of the the early season. I think it was a weird, weird win. Yeah. Very strange. In that game last night, you had a balk that resulted in a run. You had a manager getting ejected in the eighth inning, and you had a rare play of determining whether a runner crossed home plate before a tag was applied on a play behind him on an outfield assist. Very strange game. Yeah, so you have to imagine on that play that Aaron Judge is assuming that there is going to be a throw home because it would have been a relatively close play for DJ LeMahieu crossing home plate if Austin Hayes had decided to fire home. But instead, Austin Hayes elects to fire to third. And it looks like Judge is tagged before DJ LeMahieu hits home plate. Aaron Boone was tossed immediately after not being given the chance to challenge that play. It was a really, really weird scenario that resulted in everybody thinking that it was 4-3 and then it being 4-2 and the inning was over. Yeah. So a really, really weird eighth inning, but the Orioles close it out after a really good start from Matt Harvey. Those are the most exciting wins, are the yeah. ones where you can't tell what's going on. And look, <laughs> sure, yeah. The, the <laughs> Orioles and Yankees have had their fair share of kind of strange games. I mean, even the, the series finale up at Yankee Stadium in early April was a little bit weird yeah. with uh, that game going to 11 and Glaber Torres' error costing the Yankees, a, you know, at least extending that game and uh, giving the Orioles the win in that one. They've had weird games at Yankee Stadium. I think of like the Michael Givens sliding. He throws the wild pitch and then has to tag somebody out at the plate. Like crazy plays like that. The double play, I think it was at Yankee Stadium where Caleb Joseph like throws uh, somebody out at third uh, on a dribbler in front of the plate. All, all kinds of crazy plays that have gone on. And uh, that one was very fun. And uh, it's a little bit more fun that it happens over the Yankees. And look, there are three games left in the series. But for the time being, the Orioles are a game ahead of the Yankees in the standings, who are in very last 
in the American League East. In very last, sitting at 9-13, and 13, the Orioles improved to 10-12 and 12 on the win last night. Let's talk a little bit about Matt Harvey. Yeah. Matt Harvey was really, really good in that win over the Yankees. He goes six innings, allows just one run, strikes out five. He walks three batters, which we haven't really seen from Matt Harvey so far this year, and that was pretty much... I think the only knock that you could put on his performance last night. Yeah, I mean, that walk, those three walks doubled his season total. We, look, is it early enough for us to uh, give ourselves a little pat in the back, Brendan? Is it early enough, too early? I'm going to pat myself on the back because I think I was even Could you a little more bullish well? about Matt Harvey going into the year. Could you reach across the podcast I, table? I don't want to do that. And no. give me a little... No, because yeah. I'm, I'm more proud of myself than I am of you. We both had the same take on the last podcast. Yeah, but I said it earlier. No. <laughs> I said it. I think I was a little more optimistic Look, about Matt Harvey going into the season than you were. But yes, we both did have the take of we are thinking that Matt Harvey is going to be at least decent for the Orioles this season. Look, Matt Harvey talked the talk in spring training. He did. He said all the right things about coming back and proving his... The analytics side, delving more into spin rate, all that good stuff, improving his off-speed pitches, uh, and getting some late life on that fastball. And so far, he has walked the walk. His ERA after last night, those six innings of one-run ball, goes down to four to six. He now has 21 strikeouts and five starts. He's looked very good. Yeah. And it passes the eye test as well. Uh, we talked about him getting even getting unlucky yesterday, uh, last podcast with fielding independent pitching. His, his FIP goes, which, you know, again, strips away all the kind of um, defense behind him, ballpark factors, that kind of stuff. Goes all the way down to 330, which means that if he had perfect, not perfect defense, average defense behind him, he'd have a 330 ERA. He's been phenomenal. Way better than I think any of us expected. Yeah, and the luck turned a little bit for Matt Harvey last night I don't think he was I don't know if he was at his sharpest last night I think it was his best start of the season I think his expected ERA actually went up after last night's start because the fielders behind him made uh, a bunch of good plays and he really only makes one really bad pitch in that game and that was the double that he surrendered to Aaron Judge but the other important thing with Harvey last night he goes six innings yeah. In his previous four starts, he had two starts going four and two-thirds innings, two starts going five innings, and this is the first start of the year where the Orioles' bullpen didn't have to work four innings Yeah, after a Matt Harvey start. So really big for him to go at least six innings in this game. And I think last podcast, when he had a 5-12 ERA, we were looking at him being better than we expected, but not quite to the point where he could get you a return on investment and right. get a trade, Matt Harvey's becoming tradable. Yeah. That is the the name of the podcast, and it is the theme here, because the a 5-12 ERA is not going to get you traded, no matter what the um, you know surrounding stats might tell you. That's just a little too high. But a 4-2-6 might get you traded. Tommy Malone got you traded with a 3 Nine nine, and he got you a couple prospects at the deadline from a very desperate Atlanta Braves team. Yeah, this Matt Harvey with the improved uh, pitchability, and right now he's five starts in, and it's looking like he can get better. It's not looking like he's topped out. It looks like he probably has more left in the tank. You know, this was his best start of the season: six innings, one run against the Yankees. If he, I mean, 
he can he still has room to grow from this season. So it's not like they're just the Orioles are at this point crossing their fingers and hoping that you know he maintains somewhat close to that and there's not too much of a drop off. They're hoping he can get even better over the course of the season and maybe get himself into a spot where teams are eyeing him as a trade piece. Well, look, the ERA obviously doesn't mean everything. And if you're a team trading for a starting pitcher, you're obviously going to look at a lot more than just that ERA. But I think the important thing with Harvey too, he hasn't lost the Orioles any games. He's gone out and he's had pretty decent starts through his first four and then comes out against the Yankees last night and goes six innings, one earned. But even if Harvey throughout the first half of the season is going five innings, two earned, three earned, somewhere around there, that keeps you in every game. And I think that's valuable to a contender down the stretch, maybe a team that has a good bullpen and just doesn't have many great starting pitching arms. Maybe yeah. a team like the Mariners would be interested in someone like Matt Harvey, yeah. where you just need to get to your bullpen in a manageable game. And at least so far, Matt Harvey has shown that he can do that. Well, he's not going to be you know a top name off the market, obviously, right. when it comes to starting pitching. But teams pony up for starting pitching at the deadline. And guys like even like Andrew Kashner become um, more... You know, they, they will yield you a better return uh, than other types of players, you know, than yeah. position players uh, by the most parts. And so he's not going to be a top name on the market, but teams are not always looking for aces. In fact, I think it's rare that they're looking for aces at the deadline. A lot of these teams, maybe they have some injuries along the way. They need a fourth, fifth starter. That's how Tommy Malone got traded last year is there were injuries in that Braves rotation. They weren't looking for an ace when they traded for Tommy Malone. They were looking for a guy who could give them some starts. Now, he didn't give them any good starts, and neither did Andrew Kashner for the right. Red Sox, but that's not the Orioles' problem. Yeah. The problem is, obviously, getting it to the point, getting those guys to the point where they look good enough to be traded. And I think that there are some teams. I think of, like, the Phillies, a team that definitely needs, sees themselves as a playoff team, but needs a hole, needs to fill a hole in that rotation with not an ace, but somebody who is serviceable enough. And if teams get, you know, five games is probably still not enough of a sample size. And obviously teams don't make trades like that often in April. But when you get to the end of May, maybe beginning of June, if he's still putting up these numbers, that is probably going to be enough to entice a team to trade for him. I'd say so. I mean, heck, even a team like the Yankees that, yeah, <laughs> it needs just about everything. Look across it seems the, like the dugout. Yeah, they could use starting pitching, but I think the big thing for Matt Harvey is if he is continuing to keep these games manageable. Yeah, if he doesn't blow up in a start in the first half, if he doesn't allow more than six or seven runs in an outing, I think there's a pretty good chance he gets dealt. Which is also, I mean, we talked about before the season. You sign Felix Hernandez, you sign Matt Harvey, and the hope is that maybe one of those two turns into something because odds are you're not going to hit on both minor league deals, right. million dollar incentive if they make the team. But if you hit on one of them, that's all you need. And this is an Oriole system. I, I know uh, obviously fans are getting more and more eager to, to see the returns on a, uh, from some of these prospects and to see what they have to offer. But this farm system is top five in baseball. It's great, but it can be even better. And you do need to bolster that farm system just a little bit more. It's not exactly where Mike Elias wants it to be. I'm sure he wants it to be in the top two, probably. Well, and, and you can't have too many good prospects. Yeah, exactly. The only problems that you can run into with too many prospects is that you have guys fighting for ro roster spots. Right. Which is kind of a scenario that we're going to be seeing relatively soon with the Orioles. But one other thing I wanted to point out with Matt Harvey there, Paul... 
He's allowed just two home runs this year. Yeah. And last night, he snaps the Orioles' streak of allowing a home run to the opposing team in every game at Camden Yards. And I think that's, he's allowing like less than a home run per nine. Yeah. Which is... Well, it's his best home runs per nine since yeah. he led the league in that category in 2013. Yeah. And I think part of that was last night, he was keeping the ball down. I mean, he was very much attacking against that Yankees lineup, the bottom third of the zone. Down and away. Uh, yeah. Down and away. And he honestly got uh, hurt by some tough calls, I think, in yes. the strike zone. There were some pitches that... And you mentioned the only real mistake that he made was that 0-2 pitch to Judge um, that led to the one RBI. That was it. I mean, that yep. was it. And even that is not a terrible pitch because, you know, it's not like no. he left it up in the zone for Judge to drive it out of the ballpark. Yeah, it was a slider on the inner half that just caught a little bit yeah. too much of the plate. It was, and, and the context makes it tougher considering yes. it was 0-2 with two outs. Um, but, I mean, he, his, you, and you looked across. I know, you know, Davey Garcia is 21 years old. He's a prospect for the Yankees technically still. It was his first appearance at 2021. But he was having all kinds of command issues. And I was just thinking that's something that I was expecting to see from Matt Harvey this year. Some like wild pitches as he's trying to figure stuff out. His command has been good. Yeah. I mean, it has been very good. He was locating really, really well last night. And like you said, the Yankees have not been a good lineup so far this season. That's not a mystery to anybody, but they can still hit home runs. It still have You've the still names got in that Aaron lineup. Judge yeah. and Giancarlo Stanton. And against those two guys, I know they both hit doubles in this game, but they hit doubles off of decent pitches. Yeah. You mentioned the mistake to Judge, but the Giancarlo Stanton double was a good pitch that he just did something with. I think uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue, friends of the pod, have said before, uh, you know, you're going to get a Judge or Stanton monster home run in at least one of these yes. <laughs> games. Yeah. It's just baked in, yep. just based on the fact that those guys are so good and they're going to tag. Some, yeah. you're gonna, they're going to get you at some You point. just limit it as much as you can. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, well, let's talk about somebody who did hit two homers yesterday. Somebody who... Uh, Holy segue. It is becoming... It is becoming <laughs> You go from Aaron Judge and John Carlos. Look, I think the physical body type power hitter, yeah. Cedric Mullins. The physical body type. I mean, you go from six six Aaron Judge. Can't tell to him apart. Five eight Cedric Mullins. Uh, look, if you look, stood all these I'm two next one to each guy, other, one guy hit two home runs in the game yesterday, and it was okay. Cedric Mullins. And it was Cedric Mullins. Spoiler alert: We have spent so much airtime on this podcast. Not enough, I dare say. Talking about Cedric Mullins. Not enough. But he deserves even more. He's hitting 365. He has three home runs. Yeah. He had three hits yesterday, all of them extra base hits. He, he had three hits on Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, his second straight game with three hits. This guy's been so good. I know yeah. we are just three and a half weeks into the season, about four weeks, I guess, into the season, but it cannot be overstated how good he has been at the plate. He is, uh, his on-base percentage is 420. He is slugging 575, and he has an OPS close to one. You know, it's ridiculous. If this were the 2020 season where it's 60 games, like he would already have MVO locked up. He would already Easy. have most valuable player, locked, most valuable Oriole rather locked up. And maybe the most ridiculous stat for Cedric Mullins so far this year, he's 15 for 33 against left-handed <laughs> yeah. pitching. That's 455. Uh, against lefties. Considering he had not batted from the left side of the plate against lefties in his career. Yeah, since he became a, a, a professional baseball player. Unbelievable. 
Absolutely incredible. He's making incredible contacts. I know he's still not going to walk a ton. but I don't care. I don't care either. (laughs) And that second home run was absolutely smoked. Yeah. To dead center field. On a night when the wind, it it appeared, was blowing in, and it was knocking a lot of balls down. There were some balls that uh, probably would have gotten out on a warm summer night, but ended up getting knocked down and ended up being long fly balls. And Cedric Mullins drills a ball to center. Just straightaway center over the wall. Well, and not only that, but the first home run he hit on the second pitch that the Orioles saw was a Utah Street dinner. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? It's not sneaky power anymore, folks. He's second on the Orioles in home runs with three. We thought DJ Stewart might hit some balls onto Utah Street. We thought maybe Anthony Santander might hit some balls onto Utah Street. But instead, we're going to see a lot of Cedric Mullen plaques. What fools we were. Yeah. For not going into the season saying the best Orioles hitter is going I to be just, Cedric Mullins. I just also want to pat myself on the back. This is just a podcast of <laughs> somebody commented on one of our YouTube live streams and said Paul Mancano, a legend in his own mind. And that's just, <laughs> I took that, that as fuel. That sticks with you, doesn't I, it? it? Yeah, I took that as fuel. I mean, that comment was like months ago. It just at this played point. into my ego. I, yeah. look, I wake up. In the morning, I watch Patrick Swayze fight scenes, and I re- and I read that comment. It gets me fired up. You every say day. that could be me right there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and because I took him in the uh, all Orioles roster you did. draft, you I did. also took Felix Hernandez. However, yeah, who did not make the team. Those teams are going to be very interesting yeah. by the end of the year. But that's for another podcast to make fun of ourselves on. Exactly. Um, one piece of bad news from the game yesterday would be Freddie Galvis going down uh, with an, an injury. He's day to day groin injury. Um, they don't expect him, obviously, to miss much time. Right. Um, and it came after an RBI double. Uh, so the biggest way that this affects the Orioles is uh, they option Ryan McKenna to the alternate site after the game. And as of the recording this podcast, they have not made a corresponding move. Brendan, I want to ask you, they're going to bring up an infielder to fill Freddie Galvis's spot. You have your pick of infielders at the alternate site. Yeah. Who are you bringing up? Ooh, this is an interesting question. Uh, you got Jemai Jones. Yep. You've got Ryland Bannon. You've got Richie Martin. You've got Pat Vileka. Yeah. My heart says Jemai Jones because I want so badly for <laughs> Jemai Jones to be at the major league level because uh, I'm just a big fan of his and I think he's going to be great. My brain is telling me that if the Orioles don't promote somebody who can at least play shortstop, then at the major league level, they are left with Ramon Urias as your starting shortstop with no other options behind him. So that pretty much narrows down your choices to Richie Martin and Pat Vileka. And it sounds like going into the season, we know Richie Martin was dealing with some injuries, that they at least wanted to get him some at-bats at the AAA level before promoting him to the majors. And I would guess that they are going to continue to do that. So I think my brain tells me that it's probably going to be Pat Vileka that gets promoted because he can play both shortstop and second base if you want to move the combination of Vileka, Ruiz, and Arias around. I think it's probably going to be Vileka, even though he's not great defensively at shortstop. He's one of the two options that you could promote that can play that position, and he is, I think, more suited at this point at the major league level than is Richie Martin. And I think whoever this is, probably won't have a terribly long stay right. on the roster because Freddie Galvis is going to come back from injury at some point soon. Doesn't sound like he's headed to the IL. So they're going to, my guess is, 
you know, fill in the shortstop spot with somebody like a Pat Vileka. I would probably imagine it's going to be Pat Vileka as well. Once Freddie Galvis is back and ready to go, they might option whoever that person is back to the alternate site and, and maybe bring back uh, Ryan McKenna. Right. Or another pitcher if they want to go crazy and go with 15 arms. But Yeah, <laughs> although not to get into a whole other big tangent, if Pat Vileka gets recalled to the major leagues and is hitting really well... Ramon Urias and Rio Ruiz have both really struggled with the bat, and Pat Vileka is able to play the same positions that Ruiz and Urias are, and he can even play a little bit of outfield as well. So if Vileka comes up and hits, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if it's one of Urias or Ruiz that gets sent down to the alternate site once Freddie Galvis is back up and ready to go. Yeah, it could be. It could be. And I know that fans are probably like you, eager to see Jemai Jones, and some fans are eager to see Ryland Bannon, another top 30 prospect in the Orioles system. I do think their days are coming in 2021. I just don't think it's going to happen this early. Yeah, uh, But I do think that they are going to get called up at some point over the coming months. Yeah, and Mike Elias said the other day when he was uh, on O's Extra on the Orioles' mass and broadcast, he said that a lot nice of the plug. guys at the alternate site are probably going to see Major League time this year. Yeah. and That's and, the plan. And... You have to be encouraged by the fact that uh, Zach Lowther gets an April call-up. Now, I know he got yeah. sent right back down, but he did appear in a game and make his Major League debut. He did. Probably earlier than either of us predicted. Yes. And most people predicted. April was not where we had him getting brought no. up. I think that we had him more in the June, maybe July time frame. Um, and I think that, you know, when the, when he comes back up to stay, which I do think will happen in 2021, they're going to stick him in the rotation when there is a spot in the rotation. Yes. So I think that that will probably be later on in the season. But for him to get a nice little cup of coffee and to get a debut, a scoreless ninth inning and a win at Camden Yards... Great to see from uh, one of the Orioles' top pitching prospects. Yeah, it was awesome, and obviously the hope is that Zach Lowther will stay at the Major League level for a more permanent period of time at some point going forward. He's probably kind of in the Ryan McKenna territory at this point of uh, on the Major League roster for a few days and then sent back down and then called back up, and I can't imagine that it's going to be too long before we see Zach Lowther again at the major league level because we know the Orioles, at least so far, they have shown that they like to have a lot of versatility in their bullpen and they like to move guys up and down and be able to arrange their bullpen in different ways. So I would imagine that Zach Lowther will probably get a call up again sometime soon. But the Orioles starting five in their pitching rotation, at least to this point, you can say that maybe Jorge Lopez is the one that you would bump out in favor of someone like Zach Lowther. But I don't think any of those five guys have really lost their spot up to this point because no. Jorge Lopez is coming off a good start and obviously Zimmerman, Harvey, Means have all been good and you want to give Dean Kramer a chance to figure things out a little bit as well. Yeah, you don't want to pull the plug prematurely here. And, right. Uh, you know, obviously Dean Kramer, not on the, the team currently, but he's going to be recalled from the alternate site. His bump down was just so that he could get enough work in while he was getting skipped in the rotation. So he'll be back up. They're going to give him every opportunity, obviously, to hold down a roster spot. And then you have Keegan Aitken. Probably he would have been ahead of uh, Zach Lowther on the kind of depth chart in terms of getting called up, but unfortunately had a breakfast incident in which he sliced open his finger. Those darn breakfast incidents. Be careful yeah. with the egg McMuffins, Brendan. I'll get you. Yeah. Uh, 
hopefully he is able to recover. It did leave stitches, so I don't want to be cavalier about this. That right. does sound like it was painful. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he recovers and, and is okay enough to uh, return because he is probably ahead of Zach Lowther right. um, once they are ready to fill a spot in the rotation. Our money is still on Jorge Lopez being the first to kind of get the demotion yep. once somebody is ready to take that spot. Um, and once, you know, it, if he struggles like he did, not in Texas, but in the first couple starts we saw from Jorge Lopez. Yeah, I think he's probably the one to get bounced. And then if you want to look even further down the line at the trade deadline, we're talking now about how Matt Harvey has maybe pitched his way into that trade conversation. So that could open up a rotation spot as yep. well for some of these prospects. Exactly. Um, but at this point, O's are in a pretty good spot. Two games below 500. Um, and just trying to uh, hang with the Yankees here. And yeah. Also, we haven't even talked about, and we talked about a lot on the last podcast, how good the bullpen has been. Oh, I yeah. Mean, the bullpen, the, we saw some uh, shakiness from Tanner Scott yesterday coming in and uh, six straight balls to open up. I believe it was the eighth inning for him. Uh, and then Cesar Valdez comes in and gives up a double, but runners thrown out, so that ends the inning. And then a one, two, three, perfect ninth inning. Just Absolutely great stuff from the, the bullpen. Yeah, Sean Armstrong, really the only one that has an ERA much further north than where he'd like it to be. Tanner Scott was pretty concerning last night, though. He has walked a lot of people so far this season. Yeah, it's been a trend for Not him. getting the same strikeout stuff that he had earlier on, but he's still been okay. Yeah. He allows, what, just the one run in last night's game because Cesar Valdez is able to come in and bail him out of that sticky situation. Could have been so, two. Yeah. Could have been more. So Tanner Scott is really the only one that you're looking at and saying, oh, he hasn't been fantastic so far. But Cesar Valdez, Adam Plutko, Paul Fry, Dylan Tate, Travis Lakins, and even Cole Solcer, they've all been really, really good so far. Yeah, Paul Fry, much was made about his spring training struggles. And then he, in his first appearance of 2021, gives up an earned run and then has not given up an earned yeah. run since then. Uh, really great stuff from the bullpen. Talk about tradeability. I think you could add a yep. lot of names here you know yeah. sean armstrong is probably no longer in that category at this point unless he turns thing around things around but paul fry who's getting up there close to 30 is definitely going to be in that conversation so maybe that not just a matt harvey trade but maybe the orioles could uh chip off one of their relievers get a couple prospects yeah cesar valdez tanner scott Absolutely. paul fry cesar valdez maybe cole Solcer, maybe travis lakins valdez turning into a trade piece is just Wow. Both hilarious and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, also, one thing we should touch on, Ryan Mountcastle has had some struggles. Uh, he has... That's, struggles just, is, a, is a nice word for that. He yeah. has not looked like the guy that we saw last year. And I, I think it comes down to, just from our perspective, his uh, plate discipline is not nearly what it was last year. No. And... That was something that we had heard about him. The reason that he spent so long in the minor leagues was uh, because the Orioles wanted him to improve his plate discipline, and everyone was looking at it and saying, he's hitting over 300, he's hitting 25 homers at AAA. What else do you need to see from him? There was They needed to see those increased walks. And when he got his call up last year in 2020, the final month of the season, he looked like he knew what he was doing at the plate, and he was taking a lot more walks. He took a, a walk in the first game, I think, uh, of his major league career. And it just feels like he doesn't have the same patience. He's reaching for a lot of pitches. 
Darren O'Day made him look a little silly with a pitch yesterday uh, and just not a good at-bat from him, struck out with guys on base. He has been um, just very different and, and in a funk recently. Well, look, I'm not going to slam the panic button no. on Ryan Mountcastle. He has not had a ton of professional games under his belt. We have to keep that in mind. And it kind of looks like right now he's just pressing a little bit. I think he knows that he is in a slump and is trying really hard to get out of it. And I think he just needs to let the pitches come to him a little bit more. He is aggressive early, early in the count, probably more aggressive than he should be. And he's aggressive on pitches out of the zone. Yeah, and, and now that he has... Pitchers have a little bit of a book on him, too. Yeah. They've had an offseason to look at what he does well and what he doesn't do well. And he needs to adjust. And, and that's... A natural thing for any anybody who's has you know fifty games under his belt at the big league level, he's going to have to make adjustments. The good news for Mountcastle, he's got two hits over his last three games. The bad news for Mountcastle is those two hits are his only two hits since April fifteenth. Yeah, he in, drilled that double to the wall yesterday. Yeah, which but. was a good sign. But in the, in the last nine games since April fifteenth, he's hitting 0-69 with a one twenty five on base percentage. Slugging just 103, and like I said, two hits and the one double last night. That's uh, not the nicest stat line there for Ryan Mountcastle. Brandon Hyde has bumped him down in the lineup. I think he hit seventh yesterday. Yep, seventh was his lowest spot in the lineup the whole season. So we will see if that continues. If Brandon Hyde continues to tinker with where he's putting him in the lineup, maybe continues to tinker with giving him some days off uh, as well. He, He has... Not been afraid to give guys days off if they're struggling. We've seen it with Mancini earlier on in the year. And uh, maybe he'll do the same with Mountcastle. And I think Mountcastle, like I said, will turn things around. I don't know if he's going to hit 333 like he hit last year. But he is going to get better. And I think he needs to take a, a page out of Austin Hayes' playbook, who said when he first came back, he was pressing and he just let things slow down a little bit, let the pitches come to him. Maybe he needs to go talk to Cedric Mullins, figure out some of what he is doing, and then he can be a little bit better at the plate. Yeah, I mean, Austin Hayes is also a guy who needs to improve his plate discipline a little bit. He's only drawn one walk, I think, so far this season. Austin Hayes never seen a ball he didn't want to swing at. Yeah, which is uh, good when it turns into two home runs on Sunday right. against the Oakland A's. Yeah. And that shows what he can do. Uh, talk about a guy who has like all of the tools in his toolbox. Yeah. He, you know, you just see flashes every single game, and it's staying healthy. But also, now that he is healthy for the time being, unfortunately, hopefully that uh, after getting plunked yesterday Ooh, by Darren man. O'Day in the hand, it yeah. doesn't cause him to miss any time. But um, that is something that he could definitely improve upon, uh, his plate discipline. Yeah, lucky he well. didn't break a finger on that pitch. I think we yeah. all saw Austin Hayes. <laughs> we saw kind flashbacks. Of, yeah, we saw him. Uh, say some uh, choice words in pain there, and I think our heads went to the same place in terms of not another injury for Austin Hayes. Come on, keep him on the field. Well, we saw flashbacks to when he got drilled in the ribs last year and got a rib fracture that he played through uh, for several games. Yeah, so So hopefully this one, uh, he catches a break by not breaking any of his fingers on that pitch, and hopefully there's no issues there. Exactly. Well, three more games left against the Yankees at home. Orioles are uh, trying to separate themselves now from the last place Yankees in the AL East. Uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. Of course, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Follow at Brendan Morty on Twitter. I'm at Paul Mancano on Twitter. Uh, 
you know, keep us uh, keep us updated as well. And uh, we mentioned it earlier on the podcast, but we had the one, the only, the great Melanie Newman on earlier to do the all-coffee draft, something that we've teased for quite a while, and yeah. now we finally get there. Enjoy. Coffee expert, which is the primary reason that we brought you on this podcast. Melanie, we know that we could talk Orioles with you all day, but you're literally doing that all day, every day. So we want to just jump right into the coffee stuff because this is your second area of expertise here. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate you uh, letting me step out and, and really show the people all I've dreamed for in my life is just talking about coffee. Yeah, I mean, it was the perfect combination for the grind, which you had during the shutdown, of course. And now we have to bring back the topic because I think Brendan and I are going to be at a severe disadvantage. Brendan more so than I. Uh, in Definitely this, me more yeah, so. Yeah. In this all coffee draft. Um, but as such, it's going to be a three round draft. Just kind of no rules. Just kind of name a coffee is how I think we're going to do this. Uh, Brendan, do you want to uh, start us off? Because you're going to be at such a disadvantage. It's a snake draft. We yeah. gave you the first overall pick. Well, look, full disclosure, uh, my best friend Ben used to work at a coffee shop. I do not drink coffee. So I texted Ben yesterday and said, we are doing this coffee fantasy draft and I am completely lost. Please send me a list of coffee that you like. And that is what happened. Uh, so the first one that he sent me that I'm literally just going to read off this list okay. uh, is an oat milk latte. Ah. I've literally never had one before. Maybe it's good. I don't know. That's my first pick. Melanie, what can you tell us about an oat milk latte? Okay, so oat milk is the biggest new dairy alternative that you're going to add into a coffee drink right now. It really came out like winter of this last year. Um, I personally loved it with like a gingerbread iced coffee because the oat milk is a little earthier. So it plays off of things like gingerbread really well. Huh. Um, Loma actually does make a canned oat milk latte. If you want just a small sample size to check it out, I recommend it though. It's a nice, it's a nice alternative. Wow. Um, I wonder how you get the milk out of the oats. If you just kind of squeeze them hard enough. <laughs> if that's So basically I nailed the first overall pick. Yeah, is yeah, what I'm by, by cheating. I mean, that's like texting well, Mel Kuyper before the <laughs> NFL draft to ask who you should take first overall. Uh, Look, we did not explicitly say that no cheating didn't. was allowed. We didn't. And you you needed it. All yeah. right, Melanie. You did you, say there were no rules. So. Yeah, no rules whatsoever. All right, Melanie, you have the second overall pick. What is going to be your coffee of choice here? Okay, so I'm going with the local roaster Rise Up Coffee. Um, they're actually also the coffee partner for Iron Rooster, but... It's an iced honey oat milk latte. They use simple honey syrup in it. Um, really light, though. I don't like overly sweet coffees. I just like a little bit of flavor in it. But anything from Rise Up is just perfect. Yeah, Rise Up is great stuff. I mean, uh, that's, that's a heck of a pick. And she's got the local tie in there. So she's bound to get some local fans who are going to agree with her. Wow. That is a smart pick with the number two overall pick, Melanie. <laughs> that leaves me in a, in a, in a tough spot. But I think we all knew at the onset what was going to be my first overall pick here. Uh, and that's because the basic person that I am, uh, I'm going to have to go with a pumpkin spice latte. I know it is only seasonal. I know that it is something that, uh, you know, is reserved for only the UG wearing members of society. But Starbucks does it better than anything. And uh, from that month of October to late November, the best coffee on the market my money says pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks. Are you going hot or iced? Oh, I'm going hot. 
I'm going hot. Ice maybe for the first, for if you get it in like September, but I, but hot definitely in October and November. Okay, and so I, have I do have to tell no you this. Uh, local plug here again. Uh-huh. Baltimore Coffee and Tea actually has a year-round pumpkin spice. Really? Yes. Well, there you go. A revelation for Paul Mancano. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Writing that one down. Uh, that's, that's great stuff. Um, I mean, I feel like it is enhanced during the season of course it makes you you know the the smell makes you feel like you're more in the october november but it's something that oh yeah you, you could step out on a chilly february afternoon and get yourself a pumpkin spice that'd be nice yeah i'm nodding along pretending to agree that's I, that's I fair no basis <laughs> well i back-to-back picks here so i'm gonna go ahead and take uh, another kind of basic coffee here but a la cologne uh, vanilla draft it is uh something that Fortunately, found its way into the refrigerators in the press box at Oreo Park at Camden Yards. Melanie made that discovery for the home opener uh, and uh, sent it. Uh, had to send me a picture about that because that was hugely important. What an upgrade inside the uh, the press box there! Man, that's the best move they've ever made. I, I just <laughs> got to say it. Like you walk in and you see the La Cologne cans, and you're like, "We're good. This is a W. Don't care." <laughs> yeah. How many coffees are you drinking? During a, an average broadcast, Melanie. Okay, so if it's a night game, uh, like what we have right now, mm-hmm. I usually have two cups in the morning, and then I'll grab uh, an iced coffee on the way into the park. Okay. Um, if it's a day game, that usually still fits in with the two that I'm already having, and then I have one afterwards so I can get things done. Basically, what I'm saying is I exceed my limits at right. three to four, but it's a it's a big cutback from what I used to drink in the minor leagues. <laughs> so a thousand percent of daily value of coffee is probably. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Like I've had doctors tell me that I need <laughs> to cut back. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's how, you know, uh, Melanie, you have the next pick here. What is going to be your second coffee uh, selected here? All right. I am going to go with Camino Coffee, which is a local coffee shop in Winston-Salem, but they brew counterculture, which you can get anywhere. If you're going to buy counterculture, I recommend a bag of Big Trouble. Um, It's my favorite blend. But uh, Mm. they have a coffee called Magic Iced Coffee. And uh, any broadcaster that went through the Carolina League still dreams about Camino Coffee. It's that good. I don't know what they put in it. They won't tell us. There's a whole cinnamon stick in it. That's all I know. But it's it just makes your day just glitter. That's all. Wow. I mean, just the depth of knowledge here and uh, the, the esoteric names that are being brought out here. It is the we are, useless knowledge. <laughs> we are among uh, coffee greatness, Brendan, truly. Yeah, I mean, I, I have nothing to add. I'm really yeah. trying to. I'm trying to soak in the information. It's just not working. Has it informed your next pick here, Brendan? Not at all. Uh, literally the only basis of my next pick was, uh, is anybody going to read off something that is on this list that I was provided with? Yeah. Uh, and the answer was no. So the second thing on my list is a, uh, hot mocha latte with caramel, which is also apparently good. I couldn't tell you. You can I've expand upon it. that if you'd like. Yeah. I mean, it exists. It comes in a cup. All right. That's it. <laughs> Melanie, do you have anything you'd like to add to Brendan's selection there to fill him in on what he just picked? Well, she doesn't need to add anything. I'm giving such great analysis yeah, here. True. 
This is by and far the best draft I've ever been a part of, <laughs> entertainment-wise. Um, I think it's a good start for a beginner because it's almost, especially with the caramel, it's a lot like a hot chocolate. Um, yeah. So I would think if you wanted to go in that direction, that's good. We actually had uh, Danny Wexelman, who works for MLB Network and Sirius, among other things. Mm-hmm. She'd never had coffee. And uh, we actually got her to start drinking coffee this year, but that's where we started her because she messed up and her first was just a black coffee. And she's like, this is nasty. Why do you do this? We're like, no, like add mocha, add other things and you'll be good. She just bought a coffee maker yesterday. So Brendan, there's hope. Hooked. There we go. At some point, we're going to have to get a Keurig machine for this apartment. Apparently. Yeah. I, I, what my trick is to try to get Brendan is I usually buy the coffee for him. As an incentive. And even that doesn't even work that most of the time. Even that is not enough of an incentive to get Brendan. All right, Brendan, do you have back-to-back picks here? What's going to be your second pick? Oh, no. I was not prepared. Um, okay. What else is on my list? This is a lot of reading. back picks, right? Yeah, that's how this snake draft works. Right. Um, iced Dirty Chai Latte is the next one. All right. That also comes in a Which? cup sometimes. This one's iced, though, so it's cold. Uh, There's my analysis. So what exactly is a dirty chai? Literally no idea. Melanie, do you have any insight here? So chai is a tea derivative. Um, Mm. It's actually, my mom goes to chai tea lattes a lot. I've actually never had one. Um, Chai and matcha have been the big tea family that want to feel like they drink coffee moves. (laughs) Um, Yeah, not my thing personally. I like that it's iced. 99% of the coffee I drink is iced. But (laughs) apart from that, I actually can't tell you much about it. First time derivative has been used on this podcast. Uh, I would say, yeah, I've had I've had the chai lattes. I like the chai. I tried matcha once because it looked like mocha, and I thought, all right, I can, I can oh, mess no. with that. Tasted, I'll be honest, a little bit like pond water. I mean, it. Yeah, not yeah. no. Not, I'm so sorry. Man, green coffee is is probably not the way to go. Uh, all right, Melanie, I think you're back on the board here with your final pick here. Oh, that's a tough one because there's still a lot of local spots that I could hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to give it to the franchise that I've been drinking since I was probably far too young with Dunkin' Donuts. Um, nice. So they have a new cold brew coffee with a sweet foam on top. Um, that's going to be my final pick. I actually blend it in, though, because otherwise when you drink it, you just get all foam. And I kind of like the mix to where it's just a creamy iced coffee. Um, but, yeah, we're going with that one. Nice. There's a Dunkin' Donuts right across the street from our apartment uh, that uh, on the days when we can go to the ballpark, we can just step out of our apartment, get the coffee on the way, and walk over to Camden Yards and drink it on the way. That's clutch. I miss it. I miss Do it. You? I lived on top of a Dunkin' last year in the Inner Harbor, and it was like oh my the gosh. best situation. I mean, you literally walked downstairs and you turned two feet. Like, we shared a building. <laughs> That's amazing. That's like, uh, you know, when they you're – across the street from like a Krispy Kreme and you can smell the donuts. That is just Oof. incredibly tempting. All right. That's dangerous. Mr. Irrelevant, I think I have this pick here. Yeah. I'm going to go also with a local joint here. Um, and that would be Babies on Fire, which is a place that is, I know the name is shocking and horrifying, but I assure you it has nothing to do with what it sounds like. Uh, this place is in Mount Vernon in Baltimore. Uh, excellent little local joint, and uh, they make a great cordata. I don't have no idea what it means, but I think it's a spice coffee, uh, and it is it is great stuff. On a Saturday morning, great walk down to uh, Mount Vernon, 
grab yourself a cordata from uh, Babies on Fire. Melanie, have you been there? I have not even heard of that location. So that really, that excites me because again, last year, just being so close, that was my motivation. If I wanted to go out and get a coffee and not make one at the house, I would run. So we went to like Vagrant and all of these other really awesome shops and ceremony, of course. Um, I'm adding that to the list though. That might be an early drive in to, to go check them out. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It's kind of hidden away, but, uh, it's a great little little local joint there. So, Brendan, your three coffees are? You're asking me to remember which three I took here. Oat milk latte. Oat milk latte, uh, the hot mocha latte with caramel, and a iced dirty chai latte. Gotcha. My three are the Starbucks pumpkin spice, La Colombe vanilla draft, and a baby's on fire cordata. And, Melanie, what are your three coffees? I had the Rise Up uh, iced honey oat milk latte. And then uh, the Duncan cold brew with sweet foam and Camino coffee's magic iced coffee. And I do have to give a shout out. I'm wearing my Norfolk coffee shirt right now. Oh, with yeah. Little coffee bean on it. So credit to our affiliate for just being the best alternate affiliate name in the universe. It's oh, yeah. Fine. You can get the, the hats, too, that have the cup of coffee on there. Just great stuff. Oh, I, I bought the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, uh, Melanie, was this... More or less fun than that insane eighth inning yesterday of uh, Orioles-Yankees that ended in Aaron Boone's ejection. So I, I will say this. This has been hilariously fun. <laughs> That's a different type of like semi-anxiety-inducing fun. Yeah. I am really glad, though. Um, you know, this year, especially with the COVID separation, I actually go up to the booth that Jim and Kevin would normally call from. So I do pre and post right next to them. And then I go up to the third level and I'm by myself in a room. Um, and I'm kind of glad because I, I don't know if they ever watch the camera that they have on me for the entire game, but I very much like get animated with plays like Mullins is hitting a home run and I'm like fist pumping in the air and out of my chair. And that play Judge came into third and I'm just, you know, my, my hands are all over my face and, and I couldn't believe it. And then they called him out and I was like, yeah, like you're out of your boot. Get out. I'm just, I'm really glad that I'm tucked away from any public visibility for that particular case. <laughs> so what we know now is now that we have fans back in the ballpark, if you're at the game and a crazy play happens, <laughs> look up to the broadcast booth behind home plate where you will see Melanie Newman standing. And going crazy. It's, it's a show. <laughs> well, this has been so brought to you by coffee. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Uh, thanks so much for hopping on, Melanie. Long anticipated coffee draft. And I think we all know who the winner is going to be here, but uh, it's going to be me. Let us know who you think the, uh, won this draft. <laughs> and of course, uh, Melanie, we'll see you on the broadcast tonight. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, guys, I can't wait.